The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. seven crack big back is back okay oh man uh love that you're going through those memories with our campaign um it's it's kind of crazy thinking of how 2020 took everyone by surprise no one i feel saw the full effect of it coming to us and throughout a very hard time for everyone we ended up becoming a lot better friends through D&D. Uh, so I welcome everyone to our show for the evening. Uh, yes, this is pre-recorded. There have been uh, technical difficulties and yours truly has rolled some natural ones on intelligence checks. <laughs> uh, so scrambling uh, to make sure that we can get this out for everyone to enjoy a little later than planned. Um, but hey, you know you all have off tomorrow. It's Memorial Day weekend. Uh, before we kind of get even further in, does anyone have any plans for tomorrow? Getting, getting together with family? Not me. Nope. Bunch of nothing. Bunch of nothing. Well, same here. Oh, got a uh, work all day. Besides that, just trying try to enjoy some of the sun. Hopefully it's good. Everyone out there that is catching this on the replay, thanks so much. I hope you guys all have a great weekend and get to sleep in a little bit because catching this a little later. So thank you. Um, before we get further on into our D&D talk, because today what we are going to be rolling with is a roll for wisdom. Obviously, not we're not playing D&D. Uh, you can see uh, we don't have the whole campaign. We don't have the whole party here. But before we get into our rolling for wisdom, and to uh, stop and touch base with DCT Industries. Listen, if you haven't yet, please make sure to head on over to their Facebook at dctindustries.tabletopgaming, as well as their Instagram, dct underscore industries. Uh, where they have some of the designs for Kaimon, a new tabletop wargaming from uh, over here in Western New York. It is a mix of the animated monster uh, mon genre, if you're familiar with that term. Um, if not, think Pokemon and Digimon and kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh with monsters battling on a tabletop environment, similar to War or Hammer uh, Age of Sigmar now. Yes, as well as 40K. Uh, but instead of playing on a, on a larger table, it's on a two by a two uh, mat. I actually had the pleasure of getting to test out a few rounds of it uh, two weeks ago. It was really fun, very entertaining. Uh, they were just some of the sample minis that I got to play with. Uh, personally, one of my favorites, Smug Whale. It is all the hype that it was uh, built up to be. It really is. Pretty cool. I got to face him. But make sure to head on over to DCT Industries, like their comment, uh, like their, po their posts and pictures, as well as uh, do a little bit of commenting. Let them know what kind of mind you uh, are interested in seeing created next, as well as stay on the lookout for the full game as it's going to be released, hopefully by the end of this year. Uh, by the end of this year. And I know you guys want to be ready for it so you don't miss it. Uh, till then, we're going to begin a little discussion 
as I said, we're not going to be playing a full on session tonight. We actually are going to be having a session of Roll for Wisdom, where generally it's me and Danny doing a little bit of character building or talking about topics within D&D, whether it's from source books or campaigns modules. Uh, tonight, I actually have two of our I'll say it with air quotes, newer additions to the campaign. If you have been following from the old school OG days with uh, Boom Boom, Remus, and Howard, but throughout a transition of players, uh, about beginning of last, of last September, I realized two wasn't the best, of a f- uh, best party number to have for a full uh, feature-length campaign, if you will. So I reached out to two friends, Mark and Tony, and hey, why don't you jump in, play a little bit of D&D? They said yes, eagerly excited. And we're almost uh, about half a year, three quarters of the, way of the year later. And the, I don't think the campaign or party would be the same without you too. And uh, welcome, guys. Uh, so let everyone know, um, what was your experience or how were you brought to D&D? Because I don't believe this was the first time you'd played for either of you, Correct. Uh, Mark, yeah. Are you me. gonna go first? Let me go, go first. Go first. Okay. <laughs> so, so my first experience with D and I've got kind of two because one was um, my my true first experience with D and um, I remember being a I want to say a freshman in high school, and uh, we had a couple friends who we knew um, who were seniors, and they were playing three point five or it might have been three zero at that point. I'm not for certain. I think three five. Um, you know, I remember going to their house, you know, you showing me the monster manual, showing me the player's handbook, you know, made up a cool character. Um, I made a level one wizard and we were playing with like nine oh. other people. And, uh, you know, we, it was pretty short lived. I mean, we had some uh, chaotic rogue agents in the, the group, as you know, how you are in high school. Everyone wants to be chaotic neutral. Um, I don't remember too much of that game, but um, maybe played two sessions and that was kind of it for a while. And then later on, kind of with my more core group of friends at the time, um, one of their older brothers DM'd for us. Um, he was a little more experienced, and I think we were playing Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know for certain. Thac- Thaco? No, Thaco. I think it was no, pre Thaco. What was the one? Was there one before Thaco? Th- Thaco was Advanced D&D. Are you, think- are you thinking about 3.5? No. Unless Thaco like- was a thing at 3.5. Put it, put it this way. He, I said, I wanted to play a wizard. I wanted to make that character again. And he said, okay, cool. Let's hope you get it. And he gave me a table and I had to roll. Oh, <laughs> so it was like old D&D. Oh, that's like the old school. You had to like get your scores in order. Yeah, it was oh, that so, D&D, whatever that uh, was. Um, oh, yeah, I, yeah, that's like the OG, like the beginner beginner. That's cool. Yeah. I, I did get the wizard. I was lucky enough to do that. Um, I want to say like I leveled up slower than the rest of the party. Because apparently that's what happens when you're a wizard in the old games. Um, so that was probably my my most uh, that my true first like D and D campaign that went longer than you know a couple sessions. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to remember the rest of the party. I think there was five of us, but you know the typical the typical adventure is nothing too crazy. But it was still you know very fond memories and you know. Uh, still, still, we joke about that campaign every once in a while. A couple, couple inside jokes still linger around, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, no, that's one of the things that honestly it was the draw to D and D for me was. Uh, at first, it was brought on from Critical Role because watching and seeing not the show production, but when you hear about how this core group of friends on the side before they went live 
at seeing pictures was like, that's cool. I want to see that. And then um, Freaks and Geeks is where I also kind of picked up seeing it. And then even in Stranger Things. And that was the draw to it. And I've never been able to really have a full live campaign. So it sounds awesome. I'm happy you guys were able to take that and have that experience. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of fun when you get like a good group and, you know, the, the offside of that is, you know, trying to find the right group. I'm not going to say, you know, there's bad groups. I mean, there, there are, but you know, it's, it's, there's a right group for everybody. And, you know, it's kind of finding that, that chemistry, people want different things out of a campaign. And, you know, I was lucky enough to get that pretty early on. Um, and then I think, I think we got that now too. I mean, I, I feel, you know, I love this campaign that we're playing the current one. It is so much fun and it definitely has that, like that, like camaraderie between our characters. And like, that's so cool. You know what I mean? You all take on personalities of your own. Uh, Mark, where was your experience and how did you come into D&D? Um, I was probably like 12 or 13 and my first ever time playing Dungeons and Dragons was actually with uh, the, the son of the pastor of my church. <laughs> so he was all into like, uh, like strategy, axis and alleys, magic the gathering war games like and we would do like sleepovers at his house and if we weren't running around the basement shooting each other with rubber band guns we were like playing these like you know offshoot D sessions and i don't actually know if we were playing the right way I, my memory does not serve me well enough to know if we were just winging it and just having fun like using our imagination um and then it kind of carried over we played in boy scouts at summer camp when we were out for a week and again we played a this like space sci-fi version. I think it was called Rifts, R-I-F-T-S. Um, and I, I think I had this weird like blue six-armed monkey character that I was playing as, or like I was like a half minotaur. It was the wildest thing. Um, I don't remember much of that either, but it was probably around that same time, like 13, 14. And then, you know, puberty and all that stuff happens. And, you know, it's not cool to like wrestling or Magic the Gathering or anything like that. So you kind of just dump it off and get interested in girls and uh my reintroduction into it actually was probably i would have to say because of stranger things as well uh and the fact that my son my older son uh titus who's been uh he did the one off the one day in uh the halloween episode i think or yeah mm-hmm. Podkeep um, Manor. yeah yeah Podkeep Manor, and uh he had started watching Stranger Things too, and I'm pretty sure. So, Titus, if you end up watching this, don't hate me. I'm not trying to embarrass you, kid. I'm pretty sure this girl that he liked uh, was into Dungeons and Dragons as well. So he was like, "Well, she likes it. I mean, I've seen it on Stranger Things. I like it. It's kind of cool." And then he has gotten more sucked into it because of our campaign and the way we're playing. He's off on the side, giving me little hints and what I should do and making suggestions to try and help uh, Azoth out with what to do next and. Um, you know, it's kind of fun just seeing now like something that I'm enjoyed doing as a a, a social aspect and having fun hanging out with the guys and he's actually watching and it's not just a bunch of uh, improvisers or professional actors, you know, they're doing it for the camera and making, you know, like a thing out of it. It's just like a bunch of guys hanging out, laughing, telling a story, having a good time and and he enjoys like watching our, our nonsense like when we start stealing wheels and then like <laughs> making animated corpses out of body parts like he's just over here giggling because it's the stupidest it's the so stupid but it's so great 
and, and, and like from a, a childlike lens, he is just eating it all up. It's like so much fun. So yeah, that's where I'm at. That's awesome. Uh, now, Tony, you played a wizard. What made you guys both come in? I, th- I think I kind of, I, I remember saying like, hey, there's no real healer. So someone yep. coming in, please just be heal, be, be able to heal people. And there's multiple classes that can do that. Why'd you guys choose uh, your races and your classes specifically coming into this? Or what were you trying to think of when you were coming into creating these characters? Because Fink's Tony is vastly different than Azoth with Mark. Yeah, uh, true. They do have their similarities, though, strangely enough. There is. Everyone has slight, slight similarities. Yeah, I feel like we share some thematic stuff. Um, so Fink's in particular is actually well hold on let me let me let's let me also just give it give a disclaimer as players don't reveal anything that your character is is hidden so like oh sure sure yeah yeah and don't feel obligated like i Mm -hmm. there is still a sense of mystery from the viewers as well as you both that if your characters have certain stuff hidden of a backstory or lore please don't just feel don't just open that gate okay go on um so I was going to say before the campaign, Finks as a concept um, was actually supposed to be a druid. And he, I always refer to him as a shaman anyway. Um, so he was supposed to be, uh, there was a, I think, Unearthed Arcana, but it's official now, but the Circle of Spores, I think is what it's called. And it's all based on like mushrooms and like fungus and all that. And, and you can see where that carries over to his cleric stuff. I mean, He's always supposed to be like a little into like finding those those funguses and like like the deep gross things in the in the woods. Like that was just like what he did. Um, so he was supposed to be a, a spore druid, and I was gonna have his like animal forms be, you know, various like mushroom shapes it, that that would effectively be the animal, but you know, stuff like that. And then uh I, I knew there was a druid in the party already, so one I didn't want to overlap. So I said, Okay, what else can I do? Can I still play this character? And uh, I went through different things. I was going to make him uh, like a mounted ranger at one point, which I, I don't think that would have worked. But I guess there's some synergies with uh, the Beastmaster, where since you're small, you can ride a medium beast and then it effectively have a mountain. So that, yeah. that'd be kind of cool. But I ended up settling on Cleric. Um, one, we needed a healer. But two, I, I discovered the trickery domain. I'm like, oh, what is this? And just like all like the focus on like the nuisance and the annoyance and um, you know, I thought Anthony would be a pretty cool DM for, you know, some of the, the illusion stuff, you know, the DMs make or break with those types of characters. And like, honestly, I got to hand it to you. you. You make it a lot of fun to be creative with, with Finks. Um, so I was actually pleasantly surprised with how much better the cleric fit his character than, than the initial Druid did. So, um, I guess my, my long winded answer summed up was, um, kind of forced my myself into wanting to play this character still and cleric seemed to be the only way to do it without overlapping classes so kind of fell into it and it felt like a natural fit nice very nice uh see i've had one other player as a cleric my other campaign um that i played with my friend with my group of friends on the weekends and their cleric plays it uh very different from you they've uh have a grave cleric okay and not so much on the trickery side uh more of emissary of deliverance of death and just have their own annoyances as their own characters but nowhere near as playful and 
just he's up he's up to like there's always an up to no good it's not like nothing extremely harmful but like what is finks about to do with this it's very easy to bait him into it oh like yeah with the mist like with the mist it was like i can get you into this mist i know i can <laughs> you get as a yeah, character you could have as a character been like no i'm not gonna let him but you're like ah, he, he would uh, he would he would though you know that's the thing um so another another weird thing with this character in particular is the um the role playing how do you play high wisdom low intelligence and, and I feel like I'm, I'm trying to do that, but it's, it's like a weird, you know, line to walk. Sometimes it's like, no, he's not smart, but he's also like, oh, hey, this is a bad idea. Sometimes, you know, he can he can feel that there's something off, but, mm-hmm. you know, kind of his greedy nature. He'll <laughs> override that every once in a while where it's the, the critical thinking isn't the, the best in the mm-hmm. moment. But and he's, he's, you, a, you he's play a fast thinker. He's a fast thinker, not a. Uh, a slow thinker, I guess. He's not not going to plan something out long term. That is a. There you go. If it's, I mean, you you do have those moments, but the wisdom comes into play. You do work your way up around it, mm-hmm. but definitely impulsive, and you play him uh, very much like a rogue at times. Yeah, he's fun. kind of built that way. I, I took a lot of his proficiencies in stealth and uh, sleight of hand, and it doesn't come up much. But you know, mm-hmm. when it does, it's like, yeah, this is what he should be doing. This is what he's good mm-hmm. at. You, it's uh you forget about we forget about it i think as uh sometimes as players mm-hmm. and as a dm but i love finks in my group he's a fun cleric and I, you know what take a moment to think on this one because uh, i'm going to pass it over to mark after you had to reclass finks where are you placing him Ooh, and, okay and, and why mark uh, well uh, let me let me let me clarify oh. at this point in the story if right now him? if yeah if something happened and he was like nope we're gonna run him something different where is he going got it mark so azoth is a wood elf moon druid as you can see on the tag if you can still see that um so when i first was playing DD, like back in the day i think i was running like my dad my dad used to play too so i learned about it from my dad who still had like before there was like 3d mold printed like he has like little pewter like cast pewter DD figures and he always played as a wizard. Always played as a wizard. He's into wizards. Like it was always his like little, much like Optimus Prime for me, wizards was his thing. Um, and like my grandfather had all these really cool books about like fairies, elves, goblins, giants. This really awesome illustrated fantasy series of books. Um, and I would always read through them as a kid. And elves always stuck out to me for some reason. I don't know why. But when I played Magic, I was always usually building, like, a green or black deck. I was usually playing as, like, an elf or a dark elf. Something about, I don't know, maybe it's because I was in Boy Scouts and I was always, like, hiking in the woods or being in the woods. I like being in that environment, personally. Um, And I kind of like the idea about this, like, I guess it would almost be like a ranger, like an elven ranger, like, hiding out in the woods with a bow and arrow, picking people off, almost like a Robin Hood type of, uh, you know, stealthy in the trees maybe with some daggers and you can see know. it's it, it's kind of cliche elf but that's the yeah. thing it, it's, yeah. it's not bad to like something cliche because if but, you like it it's um, why you like it. i mean you know it's good so playing this round uh and not basically knowing anything about dungeons and dragons because i i definitely jumped into this blind i may have looked at the player's manual uh through D beyond for like a hot minute just to get an idea but I was like, I know it's going to be an elf. It's what I was playing in Skyrim and all these other things. And I was like, okay, okay I knew that. Um, and I think I actually asked you what, you know, 
party members we had and i think you were like we have a rogue we have a this and that and i was like all right well what can i learn that's maybe not too complicated and and easy enough to like play with essentially so like i was going more for like ease of use because i wanted to go into it not looking like a complete idiot and maybe the the druid class stuck out to me and um when i initially started playing as him i'm not playing as azoth the same way when i initially started to where we're at you know nine months later uh i've completely changed his character and his way of thinking um he went through some bits where i thought he was going to be doing something along these lines i kind of liked an idea over here and it still just wasn't really working out and then i really like figured out how to make him work within the party with the strengths that he had and that's when i think in the campaign when i started using like wild shape more and like shape water um and that's kind of how i'm playing with him now um and, and i've got some without like any spoiling anything i i've got this idea in my head that i think may work going forward as to like where he's at in his head with everything and i think it could be a lot of fun but yeah for me it's it's just been figuring out how he fits and how that plays with what he's got and then as my knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons increases the way that I play as him changes as well well you definitely have had a few drastic like hard lefts and rights you're just been like we're going wait nope he's he cuts a left path like most recently the lolf didn't see that coming (laughs) that was very just like whoa un unexpected unprecedented like i wasn't i never thought you would go in that direction with him you know i Um, i didn't either but playing like again like like tony was saying about playing as finks like going into the mist that's what finks would do and i feel like azoth's character is to a point where he's got he's got this group of friends now that he didn't have before. He was kind of like secluded as a druid stuck in the woods, just kind of doing the same old mundane tasks. And now he's out on this adventure. He's got these friends and what lengths will he go to, to be a friend to these other people that he's with? You know, what would he, would he put himself at risk to for the, like the greater good of the party, I guess. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that—that's kind of like that, that mentality. It's like you've had a—you've had a very strong character, a very strong sense and course of character development with Azoth Finks too. Uh, we haven't pushed super hard on his backstory. We're we're slowly building it. But I know me and Mark have talked on the on the side about way Azoth has been built and thinking because you are because you were newer to this game and coming in a little bit more blind. You you've had you've had some additional guidance through the character class, kind of being like, how can you fully maximize and use it to its full potential too? Where and it wasn't that druids are e- are easy or are difficult. 
But as far as wanting to be a spellcaster, I feel that they're one of the more easier of classes as compared to the wizard or artificer or the bard while also maintaining a that connection with nature character. Yeah. When you've shifted over to utilize it as the shape change. That's your bread and butter. That's where your go-to is. And yeah. I like how you finally started pulling in that, hey, I can use spell slots and hit dice while in animal form. Or is it spell yeah. slots in animal form to regain hit points so you can stay there longer? Yep. No. That's pretty cool. I was going to say, I mean, Azoth is like a literal Swiss army knife in this party. You know, it is, you're so versatile with what you can do and what you do do. It's, I don't know, kind of invaluable with the small party. You know, we definitely have some deficiencies, but you cover a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, it's, it's playing as really forces me to think outside of the box, like quite literally. Like there was the one where, uh, I was like, uh, uh, the spider carrying you guys trying to get through the tunnel. Like, if less of us are going through the tunnel, there's a less chance of us to, like, touch something we shouldn't. How can this work? Can I just, like, be a school bus? You know, why not? You, you're, you're not afraid to use your spells and your abilities for just straight party u- utility. No. But... Because you, you because you maximize off the B shapes and your spells to the bat, to the most efe- uh, efficient when it comes down to an encounter, you're not stuck there going, sorry guys, cover me. Right. You always have a backup plan working with Azoth, and I love it. So I want to cut over to, cut over to Tony to, to hear his response, but I'm going to pass it to, over to you next. You had to reflash Azoth and take him in a different path. Where is he going? And what's uh, class and direction? What and why, Tony? All right. So, um, Finks, uh, I I, I kind of went through some preliminary things. Um, Rogue Arcane Trickster was the first one to come to mind, um, oh, and man. and kind of side by side with that is Illusion Wizard, um, both of which I don't actually think would be good fits for him, because one he's not very smart. And I don't think I'd want to change the stats to do to you know accommodate a new class like that. Um, so I kind of actually ended up settling on Ranger again, um, mainly because Finks is a coward, and that's actually like a huge part of it. Like if he doesn't have the upper hand, or if he doesn't have like some sort of like trick up his sleeve, he, he's not in combat. You know what I mean? He's he's hiding. He's he's picking people off from afar. Um, and then there's the variant Ranger called the Swarm Keeper. Have you seen this yet? Is this the one that has the insects? Mm-hmm. But it says rats. He doesn't need insects. Oh, that <laughs> so, would fit with the whole goblin. Yeah, I'm thinking Lucky. Lucky can be the alpha as the albino rat. <laughs> just kind of call them all around. Mm-hmm. And I think that'd be his character, kind of using those to, you know, keep people away from them hiding and, and just picking people off with, uh, you know, whatever spells they get, but, you know, mostly the, the ranged weapons. Range Not weapons. sure if he'd throw rocks with like a slinger, <laughs> use a crossbow, but some form of range weapon. Either train way, the, he's staying out of hunt, uh, combat. Train the rats to creep up with the daggers or bite them, poison mm-hmm. poison them. Totally work with uh, him. I you know having him act. You embracing the dagger and that rogue aspect of him now has just been very entertaining. And I thank you. I'm not going to say it's going to take a wish spell to remove the dagger permanently. Oh, I remove it. It's great. 
Listen, that's that's, <laughs> that's one. Steve. <laughs> listen, that's one less attunement slot you have to worry about keeping. Yeah. Well, hey, and, until we get some more, you know, crazy magic items, I don't have to worry about it. I'm pretty pretty open on those right now. I but would, I would love to see this dagger be like a d20 of daggers where like every time he goes to use it it has some different like status effect whether it affects somebody else or himself as he uses it like he goes to cut somebody and he cuts them but instead of them bleeding like gold pours out or you know just funny like just the, the most ridiculous stuff that this this random knife that he just for whatever reason is so impulse to use and to keep dagger of the fey <laughs> like like every time he like every time he cuts himself the wound appears on somebody else like randomly like just the most like stupid i don't know <laughs> interesting I like make it. it up work it work it up work up a character work up a weapon sheet of what you want to see the effects are pitch pitch it and we'll see if it ends up in barovia also i don't want to know what it does so let it happen when it happens <laughs> <laughs> but uh all right mark passing on over to you all right um so again i'm still not too well versed with like you know all these different classes and the new sub books that come out don't don't worry don't thing. worry about all the different subclasses um, and all that but just if i could direction re- if i could take azoth in a different direction uh and still keeping him as his like wood elf persona with like knowledge and stuff that he has, I would kind of like to go more of the way, and it's going to be really hard for me to describe this because I can see it in my head. So I need you to picture almost like a Han Solo, but as like a Jedi. So he's, he's got the, like the banter and the charisma and the like, you know, you want to bet, you want to, you know, kind of that kind of mentality of Han Solo. But at the same time, he's got the, the ability to do like the Jedi mind trick where it can also be like, we are coming in. And they're like, oh yeah, we will let you in. And like, I kind of would like to see if it's possible, a build like that to almost be like this, like uh So they have that. Wheeling and dealing, like maybe he like is good at like, you know, a magician almost like, not magician, like a wizard, but like, with card tricks, like that type of a, uh, a thing. Well, Does that makes sense. Yes, uh, I mean you you could certainly build him up to if you have like a, a a class like that in mind, or a build like that in mind, you can easily to get the Jedi uh, Force fighting the style like the way a Jedi would fight. Would hmm. be uh, they they have the see they I have they you- have a they they have a fighter that does kind of like uh, has the Force jumping. Like we're going to do like height jumps or are you just more or less charming? The charming aspect of it. I think less of a fighter, more of a, like a smooth talker, used car salesman, wheel and dealing. Yeah. I was thinking bard too, but I don't know what variant would be good. Like a wheeling dealing, like kind of slimy, but you kind of want him to, that's the guy you want at the bar. This this is definitely, this this is is definitely bard. bard. Yeah. So, so what's cool about bards too, is they've got this one thing where they can like, take spell slots from other classes they get like a very limited number of those so if there's some like good wizard like you know jedi type spells that you'd want you could customize your guy to to get those spells when he normally wouldn't be able to right which is pretty cool yeah kind of like a almost kind of like a wado from phantom menace 
the like, hey, no, you don't oh, want to. That guy. <laughs> I didn't think about that for a second. Oh, yeah, that's who that is. Yeah, that guy. Oh, no, it's a pod racing. You don't want to do that. No, no. Why don't you come over here and look at this instead? Like, yeah, I feel like I, birds it. They, they get this point, other thing where they can insult people and deal damage too. Right? Like, I think that would be cool. Like, less of a, like, you don't really need me into a fight, but maybe I can get like out of a fight or more stuff from it. I don't know. So, I mean, there are a few different, co- there are a few different bard colleges. Depending on how you want to play, playing like Wadu. Uh, which one is he from? The Phantom Menace. He was Phant- the, uh, uh, with the Anakin. bird flap, the flyer, right? Yeah, he was Anakin's like slave owner. Him? I mean, but like, yeah, that that kind of like sketchy, sleazy. Will hide an extra ace up his sleeve to win at poker, you know that kind of a. Uh, I don't know. I think I think I, I mean that could be that could be kind of be any bard. I mean, there's definitely the College of Whispers is kind of rogue fashioned. Right. That seems to be the closest one from just a quick glance. Yeah. So like I don't know. I, I feel like Azoth as a character would be like naive enough to be coming out of the woods and be like. <laughs> entranced by this like street magic this hustling that's going on and get like so caught like you know they they take the most like naive stupid person to get like caught up in it as their right hand man but then he actually ends up becoming like better than the person who was like trying to like swindle him i don't know i i feel like that like that's that. <laughs> had he been born in the city right <laughs> or closer to uh, the city. man well i mean you, you could even play it by uh Maybe the druidic tribe, or maybe the forest tribe that he's in, is a, a city within a uh, within the within the forest. Right. You know, uh, with with uh, instead of uh, regular standard oak or pine trees or whatever, but but have giant like California red oaks, like giant skyscraper tall, Donkey Kong style, where everyone's like living within living within them. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a fun setting. I mean, there could be a lot of creation. All ideas like this. All, what happens is a dungeon master is you're like, oh wait, that sounds cool. I could do that. I yeah, can create a city. I can create a town. I got room on like, the other side of the map. Like, flamingo T Rex are still floating there, <laughs> off on the oh. side. Yeah. What do you think inhabits this forest? Clearly, the pink T Rex. That's why they live in the trees. Mm-hmm. In the in the red oaks, exactly. Redwoods, yeah. But. Well, guys, uh, so that's what you guys would do with your characters. That's kind of where they kind of came from right now. Uh, I, I'm going to give you guys a bit of an open floor of, is there anything specifically that you would want to ask the Dungeon Master as characters and kind of as players of, is there anything that you want clarified or you have curious or questions about the campaign, some of the history, what's happened, where is it going, anything that may help? Uh, your individual players understand a little bit better. I'll answer with discretion. Sure. As well as, you know, maybe this is something that can shed light and give answers to pl- to viewers that have just started recently watching or listening. So anything that you guys want to know that I can be like, yeah, you can know this. Not, mm-hmm. not so much what I want to know, but I do want to give you like credit or a shout out for, your DMing and your ability to still enable us. Cause I think all of us, especially Tony and Danny, um, when they get into their characters, they are, they're committed like 
Sphinx with the fog and Howard not shutting up and you give them these opportunities or baiting them, as you say, but it makes, it makes it so much more believable. It doesn't feel forced. And um, yeah, I, I think that that in addition, believe it or not, is, is at the time it was, I probably was like, this is so stupid, but it works. Our Twitter accounts. I I think that again, and I don't say stupid isn't a bad way, but it was one of those things like it for me personally, it was just for me to keep a ongoing, like a journal almost just as to what was happening. So I could look back on it and it has evolved into like MTV's the real world's like inner thoughts where there's the camera, but we can all kind of be a part of it. So we've got like our inside jokes and we've got our things that are going on that makes sense to us, but it, it's still like, there's some fourth wall breakage, but there, I don't know. I, I think yeah. I feel like you hit that Thank perfect. The, the, the real world is, is like the Twitter. That's so funny. Cause that's <laughs> like, that's like dead on exactly what that feels like. And, and especially since like, I don't use Twitter, you know what I mean? I really don't follow anyone, but <laughs> you guys, it does feel that way. I love it when I'm at work and I just hear Bink! it's like notification of what just happened. And it's like, Oh wow. The players are talking crap. Oh yeah. That happened this week. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> like sweet. It's a, uh, it brightens my day that they have you guys as players interact as, as the characters. And it's uh, as a DM, I don't know, maybe I, I wonder if other DMs do feel the way, same way. I, I'm assuming they do, but when your characters embrace, these care when your players embrace these characters i should say uh or vice versa regardless how you see it there are personality moments that spike and i i'll say finks you are a great debate but danny eats it up so badly when it's like there may be a crown involved or a cloak or something he just he all right he he like he walks right in and we have an understanding of what probably will happen to Howard as he progresses um, on his path. And yes, Danny has some expectation of what he wishes to see. And I may not, or may not, I may or may not give it exactly how they, how he uh, expects it to, to unfold. I may take a, uh, you know, a sharp curve and be like, Nope, different direction, but he's, in for the ride and it's so worth it as a dungeon master and to kind of when i can hook finks in with this mist and just to see like i feel like barovia is going to be very fun and very dangerous for him specifically yeah Um, i can see that but any questions i got i got a few um first one is we kind of leave a trail of open ends as we travel plane to plane so, you know, I'm thinking about like the um, Caterpillar Man, who was, I believe, Jarrell's patron. And he's like, yo, you got to, you know, get rid of these giants. Also, there's this cool party going on. But then, you know, the world exploded and we didn't really have a choice. We found another way out of there. So those those things are open. Um, so my question to you is, are those quests being resolved on their own without our input will they have any sort of implication for us not partaking in them later on or if like let's say we venture back into the Feywild, for example using those two maybe we can still go to those things i mean do, do you have plans for that you don't have to tell me I what have, they are i just want to know if you're you know thinking i have way. i am a very much a long game planner 
And I'm trying very hard to not do it as much with you guys because I want to live more and react more genuinely in the moment than planning out all these plots. But there are specific moments that I'm like, this is fun. I know how this should end, or I know where this may be. And there are moments out there. There have been moments in ties that were left unresolved before uh, they even first left when the campaign first kicked off. And I still have little things being tied up in certain ways that I just have known that if you ever go to specific moments, towns, planes, actions have gone by. So yes, there, there are ties ups, tie ups. Not every single one is a big, is a big and important one, but there are, but they are there. I like that. Consequences. Um, and I've got one more, more character specific one, unless uh, Mark, you want to go. No, um, I, I guess the question, um, are we ever going to make it back to the house that we got? That's up for you guys. Like <laughs> you guys came back and appeared in a desert and you're like, let's go after these mountains. No one said, let's go back to Brian's spell. Wow. That's far away. Uh, <laughs> That's all that that's me as a DM where yes, it's a sandbox and yes, I have a direction for you guys, but unless you all are like, let's go back to our mansion. That's where we're going to go. Unless you guys bring that up. I'm not going to say let's just go there, but it is there. Maybe still we get some teleport ability from someone. I think, I think Azoth actually gets like that, like tree walking one or whatever that was. Maybe plant stride plant stride. I think that can move us across the map a lot quicker. And that might be after Barovia anyway. A way Tree back. But yeah, maybe. Could very well um, be. All right. So a character question for Finks. And I don't want the answer. I want to know if there is an answer yet. Okay. Um, so, so a huge part of his story is obviously he's a worshiper of the moon. But as I've told you, Anthony, the moon is just the moon. You know, it, it doesn't actually have any magic powers. And someone else is pulling the strings as a cleric of trickery. You know, there's some god playing a trick on him. Um, or some deity or some sort of malevolent force, whatever it is. Um, do you know what that is yet? Have you have you decided what you plan to do, or is it still kind of in the works? It is in the works, but I have been th- thinking about it more uh, more recently since playing with the Blood Moon. I'll I'll let you know. Some things just line up perfectly and are pure coincidental. And to see how you bit onto it, so pun not intended, so like you attach to the whole blood. I like, all right, this is like you really just anything moon related you hook to. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, this is maybe a, a moment that Finks's storyline or story arc, better said, uh, is sooner than later in the work. Very cool. But I try to give um, everyone their own shine. Yeah, and for sure, for sure. Finks is Finks has has been on my mind when on uh, when I do my drives to work. It's kind of where I do a lot of my brain uh, storming. Yeah. Um. Actually, that that brought something else up. You know, he found that that blood scroll book from uh the the Blood King, and uh, you said it was all written in Elvish. How do you learn other languages? I I, I feel like Finks would actually like try to learn Elvish because of this. He would have to actually hold on. I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know that, that rule offhand. But <laughs> could he sit with Azoth? Yeah, <laughs> test you. No, I don't, yeah. but that's the thing. I, I don't think I'd want Azoth to know. Oh, okay. It's like uh, the pick of destiny. <laughs> Why didn't you just get a translator and let him read it too? Hold on. 
languages. Uh, there is a rule for learning it. I could see Finks just asking Azoth the most random things, like, hey, how do you say <laughs> spaghetti in Elvish? Like, uh, this, you know, like, and you start making your own, like, Elvish dictionary. Yeah. I mean, if you want to role play that, that's something that Finks is more than welcome to attempt to learn on his, uh, on his time. That's some, that is short answer, short answer. You have to learn it on your, uh, long, on your downtime between quests and, afternoons and watches so instead of immediately beginning your watch you're going to have to put off the long rest to spend an hour learning elvish you'll have to find a book to learn it as far as learning the languages and how long it will take that's something we'll have to just kind of look into to see uh what the book would say takes the time to learn that or there's maybe there's a magical item that you can learn languages but quest item or if he wants to do it in hardcore secrecy, buy a book, figure out how to do it himself. All right. Might be the first book Fink's ever bought, but good yeah. plan. Mark, <laughs> any questions, anything that you have curious from uh, Azos' point of view, anything that may give uh, and shed light for our viewers and listeners to better understand and appreciate Azos or even your way of thinking as a player that you're like, well, can't, what, what is the ruling on this or how would this situation work out and maybe give a little bit more insight to aids off. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, all right. So we're in Barovia now. It's a different plane, right? It does. It's uh, like, uh, bright or Fable is here. Like Barovia is here. It's not like, Fable is this one continent and Barovia is this other continent. They both exist here. They're different, right? Like they both exist, but they're on different sound waves. Okay. Essentially. Um, okay, that 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 makes sense. Um so uh multiverse, maybe, but even right. so think it's kind of like a, its own little pocket dimension. All right. So I, I want to try and be vague here. So I'm gonna be very careful in how I word this. Um in this setting, this this plane of existence, do that's all, a good. Do all of the uh, either uh, creatures, gods, goddesses, beings exist continually through all planes? It's like Sphinx's moon goddess or whoever is she still relevant in Barovia, or does that only exist in here? Like. Howard's yellow king he's you know talking about wanting to convert people and do all these things are they just like you know what are you talking about because who's that like does Odin exist as the you know um or Thor just as the god of thunder in uh, yeah all right does that make sense that makes sense so I can I have to give you two answers to this one short answer the first the overall answer realistically you don't know specifically it's something i can't give you i can't give that away but to kind of uh in barovia specifically you don't know yet as players that's something that you're there's there's a chance that things can do magic like fine but then there may be a moment that he calls upon his god for a higher power and it may react differently or you may do something religious for, as uh, Azoth trying to contact Lolf. And 
You may talk to her, you may not. You may talk to someone different. You don't know how magic's going to work in this way. Okay. But to give the answer as far as a statement, to be able to give it a, a more of a c- concrete answer is that Barovia itself, you don't won't know yet, but in other settings and other planes, there is a chance that it's a yes and no. Some planes have their own little cutoff um, pantheon, but then there are some planes that have the same gods as other pantheons. So like in Matt Mercer's realm of critical role, he has um, Raven queen. Raven queen is also a goddess that's in uh, the Faerun setting, different, different plane of existence, different settings, but the character is still present. Now for my own personal lore, some of the stuff I've told you about the, the gods, groom, the red lady, Loth is different than what 5e lore is but I'm not deriving deep into their heavy lore. Just kind of like the understand, kind of like the I'm lightly changing of how I would reinterpret their characters. They're still the same gods in my mind, but some of their actions, I'm kind of refleshing, reflavoring, but Barovia itself, you don't know yet. Generally when you jump planes, because at some point that is a possibility that you can do gods may or may not be able to reach you and work the same way. Okay. Or they could be the same. Don't know. Which would, uh, until you get there. Cool. But there are ones where they are. Uh, any further questions or anything that you guys wish to know? Anything you wish to talk about uh, before we wrap this up as an episode for Roll for Wisdom? Uh, no other questions from me at the moment, anyway. I can't think of anything. I'm good. All right. Well, um, I think something fun to do is because I know Tony is a painter. He's got minis. He's been doing some great stuff. We are on video right now. And I got some, I got a, a bit, bit of a mini I want to show off. And I'm thinking, Mark, picking up them as prime. Let's each show off a toy for going <laughs> to view. All right. Uh, something we had been uh, working on. And we'll wrap it up a little on the spurt. I just so happen to have a whole set of minis right here. So many to choose from. two little ones while uh, Tony's grabbing one and Mark's uh, getting an Optimus. First one, guys, I just do love. I, it's something more simple. One of the ones I'd printed. This was the uh, Solander. The little uh, or not Solander. This was, oh my god, what was his name? The Rat King. The, the sewer, sewer uh, man. Um, um, that him? Yes, this was. I'm going to go blank on his character name. Uh, he was a little bit of a creation off the spur of the moment, but I loved how I had the dry brushing with the green. It was the, 
the green of the slime. The camera's not wanting to focus with me. And it just was really simple, fun, but it's one of those, you know, I, I whipped it up real quick and it just happened to stick and look good. I love it when a mini does come off that way. Uh, one of the ones I really took some nice time with to try and make it look sort of authentic and a little bit more realistic of battle worthy rather than being all clean with sparkles and fresh colors was this a sweet wear buffalo looking one from reaper oh, cool but oh, i did use blood weird. for the blood gods oh dude that paint's so cool right on the on this and i'll tell you guys if you haven't yet check out blood for the blood gods paint from citadel oh my god it is awesome just trying to make the water buffalo look more authentic with the uh dry brushing on the legs to get that lighter brown tan color but to get a that worn uh thick leathered looking hide uh with with the ebony skin i I loved it and i love painting so that's what i got to share because we're on video visual mark what you got something fun well since we're talking about minis i found probably the teeniest tiniest optimus prime i own so if i play as an uh artificer i can summon optimus prime to roll out and run over the competition um, <laughs> right that's um, great and actually podsville right um and then because my my parents are awesome uh for christmas i had actually asked for minis and stuff so i actually got and i have not opened it up yet but i actually have stuff to learn how to paint with so i have a giant jar full of minis and this beginner starter set to try and figure out how to actually paint because i think that could be a lot of fun now that That's I'm going to school, I have something to try and do. So. Awesome. Can't I'm wait. excited to see what you do. Uh, speaking of recently paint, uh, speaking of painting and uh, looking forward to it, Tony, Phoenix Forge, you posted yes. some stuff recently. Um, so I have been in like a five month painting rut <laughs> where just between the move and, and life just being busy, I haven't had a chance to get back to it. So um I finally decided like one day, like, all right, I'm just whatever, any amount of paint on a mini is good. And that was enough to kind of like spark it. So this is the guy that kind of got me out of um, that. So let me try and get this focused right with the lighting. This is not very good. See this. I was honestly, guys, showing minis and painting wasn't the, was a very spur of the moment, but hey. Want to change it up a little bit. But anyway, this is a uh, Thousand Suns Aspiring Sorcerer from 40K. Um, I kind of made him like a Shaolin, like Monk Bostaff style. Um, but yeah, got me out of it. So um, there's better pictures online on Instagram if you want to check those out. But yeah, these guys are a lot of fun to paint. Anyone who paints this particular army, you can see like all like the gold trim on there. It takes forever. Mm-hmm. So oh. you know, these, these guys take a while, but they're, they're worth it. I think they look really good. Well, everyone, uh, if you're listening in, uh, you could check it out at Phoenix Forge on Instagram. Check it out. Uh, make sure you hit follow and like for Tony. Uh, guys, Tony, Mark, we can't I'm leave looking that. forward to see. We got to plug oh. some people. We got to talk about some of our like favorite things, like yeah. like the good guys over at GCT Industries. Yes. And the game Kaimon. And, yes. and Ichiban Games. And, and yes. like just stuff we gotta tell tell them check these guys out there guys check out ichiban games official.com make sure to check out 
www.tabletopgaming on Facebook. There, we told them. People, okay. go check them out. Listen. Tell them we told you. If you don't follow them, we're going to know. Yeah, we'll know. Well, guys, thank you so much, for everyone, for joining us for tonight's episode of Roll for Wisdom. I've been uh, one of your hosts, Anthony Mullen, resident dungeon master for the Fabala Five. I have two of my players with us uh, for Tony and Mark. Thank you so much, everyone. If you are able to, grab that D20, because even though we're not playing D&D tonight, we still always roll. Always keep rolling. Yeah, Bob Ross would roll. Oh, my God. I don't have a D20 go, go here. Bob, go Bob Ross. <laughs>